0: Welcome back to the Sisters in Sustainability Podcast. I'm your host, Victoria Lynn. For the month of May, we are examining the impact that mental health professionals and advocates have on Sustainable Development Goal 3, good health and well-being. And to our listeners who are back every week, I know we've talked about this goal at length, but that doesn't make it any less important. And every single one of our guests has a unique and new perspective to bring to the table. Speaking of our guests, we are joined by a mental health professional, a certified peer support specialist, and last week's guest host, Amanda Grace Greer. Hi. Amanda Grace, we are so excited to have you. This is the second episode we have ever recorded live and in studio, Um, so it's cool to be in the room with one of our guests for the first time ever, but I want you to take some time, introduce yourself to our listeners again. Let them know who you are and tell them a little bit more about what it is that you do.
1: Sure. Um, Well, my name is Amanda Grace Creer. I typically open by telling people that I am a dog mom. I am a sushi lover. I am a fried pickle enthusiast. uh, And I am also a person who is living with a mental illness and I'm a suicide loss survivor. So I know
0: that your story, it, it's it's one that I think a lot of people share, and it's one of those unfortunate um, clubs that you can't be in until you're in it. And once yep. you're in it, you don't want to be a part of it. So could you talk a little bit about your community service initiative, No Shame and Brain Pain, how it started, where it came from, and what your main goals are?
1: Sure. Um, so yeah, just like Just like you said, um, being a suicide loss survivor is being a part of a club that nobody wants to be in, yet for some reason, we all know the same secret handshake that um, I started No Shame and Brain Pain uh, a couple years ago when I lost my cousin Sean to suicide in 2017. And I was beginning to talk publicly about my story with mental illness as well as my experience of being a suicide loss survivor. And I wanted to create a slogan that everybody can identify with, whether you are a first grader or you are an adult, um, that our brain is an organ, just like every other organ in the body. And sometimes it gets sick and there should be no shame in that. Um, Just like hypertension, like there's no shame in hypertension or diabetes, but for some reason... When it comes to illnesses of the brain, there's a lot of stigma surrounding that and there should be no shame and brain pain.
0: So I mentioned that you are a mental health professional. Mm-hmm. Could you talk a little bit about what it is to be
1: a youth peer support specialist? Yeah. So I specifically work with youth and young adults. That's where my passion lies. But a A certified peer support specialist is a very specific type of mental health professional. Um, Every peer specialist has their own unique story living with a mental illness. And we utilize our lived experience within our field that you can have all of the education in the world, but unless you know what it is to go through the same struggles that I have been, you'll never know what it's like to be me unless you've been in my shoes and We get to come alongside of people who are struggling, me specifically, it's youth and young adults. And I get to sit next to them and say, I know where you are because I've been here and I know that it's really hard and I know that it feels lonely, but I promise that you don't have to walk through this alone and then we can do it together. So as we mentioned, the special and unfortunate club that you're a
0: part of Mm -hmm. is the fact that you lost your cousin Sean to suicide. Mm -hmm. Do you feel
1: comfortable and would you mind sharing you know, your story of Sean with the world? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So my cousin Sean was 18 years old when he unfortunately died by suicide in September of 2017. Um, And that rocked my whole world that um, Sean was not the depiction that the media has of what suicide looks like. That if you look at the media, the suicide... If you look at the media, they will say that suicide are the kids that wear black clothing and they sit in the back of the room and they don't have friends and they don't talk to anybody and they isolate. And that's not always the case. And a lot of times that's not the case, that my cousin was an athlete, that he played many sports, that he had so many friends, that he was voted his high school's class clown two years in a row, that he was that guy that you went to high school with that was kind of a jerk, but he was funny, so people still liked him anyway. And we had no idea the type of struggles that Sean was facing, Um, that I have a nonprofit called the Sean Flynn Foundation, and we talk specifically about the effects that concussions and traumatic brain injuries have on mental health, because we believe that if we would have known the impact of the amount of traumatic brain injuries that Sean had due to sports and how that affected his brain, we would have been able to help him more. And he probably would still be here today. So you mentioned your nonprofit
0: and the work that you do, and I know Mm -hmm. that you offer a really awesome scholarship in Sean's honor. Can you tell everybody a little bit about that and specifically the criteria for that
1: scholarship? Um, So I wanted to develop a scholarship that honored my cousin's legacy because I believe that people who die by suicide are so much more than just how they died. I mentioned that Sean was the class clown of Souderton Area High School two years in a row. And so when I developed this scholarship, I wanted to make it readily available to most high school students that... um, That if you are a high school student in the state of Pennsylvania and you are a junior or a senior and you are going on to higher education, whether that is a traditional uh, university or if you're going to a trade school, you are eligible to apply. And the scholarship criteria, you don't have to have the best GPA in the world. Um, All that you need is a story and specifically a story that is going to make us laugh Um, And the reason I picked that is because Sean made so many people laugh. And I know that if there's one thing that he would want is for us to continue to laugh. So it's also very therapeutic for my family that we're able to sit around and read these stories that these amazing submissions bring and that we're able to still continue to laugh. So we're currently in the process of going
0: through all of this year's um, applicants, <laughs> yes. and it's a little overwhelming how it, many there it are. Is.
1: There's there's well over 150 applicants this year. So and there's only one scholarship this year. Last year we had 68 applicants, which was still a lot to go through. But yes, now there is well over 150, and it, it's a lot. But I I strongly believe that the person who is meant to to win will win.
0: And, you know, I think it's great because it's 150 opportunities for us to laugh and and have a good story. Could you tell us about last year's winner? Because I just love (laughs) this
1: story and I think more people need to hear this story. So, uh, like I said, that it's open to all high school juniors and seniors in the state of Pennsylvania. And it just so happened that the winner last year actually went to Souderton Area High School, which was my cousin's high school. Um, I don't know how it ended up being that way. Uh, I guess it was divine intervention. Um, But his name is Holden. He was a junior, so now he's now a senior. And he told us the story about his friend Gabe at Boy Scout camp. And how his friend was a swimmer. That his friend, like, actually was a swimmer and decided to enter in a swimming contest at Boy Scout camp. But Gabe decided that it would be a really good idea to lather his whole body in Vaseline to make himself, I guess, faster. Um, It didn't work. And he ended up losing to another kid who had the exact same name as Holden. And that's not a very popular name. So he ended the essay with saying that he will never let his friend uh, live down the fact that he lathered himself in Vaseline only to lose the competition to him. There have been (laughs) so many great stories.
0: I know that you've given us
1: examples.
0: Uh, I love, like, I think there was another one where a girl ended up getting into the wrong car. Yeah. Of somebody, even though
1: that wasn't even remotely the car that her family drove. No, it was like a, she got into like a four-door, like, silver sedan and her dad drove a red minivan or something like that. So, yeah.
0: (laughs) So to our listeners, be on the lookout for next year, come up with all your juicy, good, funny stories to uh, apply for that scholarship in honor of a really, really awesome person who I wish I could have met. But I'm glad that I've got you to call as my friend too. And so if it weren't, (laughs) unfortunately, these events happening we probably never would have met probably not um and so it's weird how the world works that way but Mm. we're gonna switch gears a little bit so i know that you talk often about the language that we use when it comes to talking about mental health and suicide and i know you put a huge 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 point on using the word or not using the word i should say commit yes we live in a society where people say to commit suicide. Can mm-hmm. you talk a little, little bit about what that language does and
1: how language in general impacts, you know, our approach to mental health? Yeah. So in the field that we talk a lot about um, recovery language and a very dated term that a lot of the population still use today is commit, that somebody committed suicide. Within the suicide prevention community now today, though, we don't use that word anymore. And the reason is um, a lot to do with stigma, around the stigma around mental health and suicide. And when you use the word commit, it's implying that a crime was, was done, that people commit arson. That people commit robberies. And suicide is not a crime. um, That we don't want to vindicate individuals who struggle with suicidal ideation. So rather than using the word commit, we like to say die by suicide or uh, even that the person has attempted or has actually taken their life or even killed themselves is is better than using the word commit. So I think that's
0: a great transition into you know, our next topic. Stigma comes up very often when we talk about mental health and everything. And I know that you mentioned, and you are very open about your own struggle with mental health. We compete in an organization. Amanda Grace is also a candidate in not only the Miss America organization, but here in the state of Pennsylvania. Um, So be on the lookout for her because she's gonna do great things at Miss PA this year. Uh, But you talk often about your own relationship with your mental health, your own struggles. And I know that you've come across some situations where the language that you have used has not been perceived very well by people. Talk about that stigma, talk about, you know, what language, why it's important to reclaim that language or or how, you know, that
1: language can be interpreted. So a wonderful example is actually of one time that I was in interview that I was asked a question about my own personal struggle. And I mentioned how I am a person that lives with daily suicidal ideation. And that's something that the majority of my family also lives with and struggles with too. And because I said that, that did not go well (laughs) with the judges. And they thought that I was unable to do the job because that I was not in the right headspace maybe or that I was not well enough. And I think that that is a stigma that very much needs to be broken down. Um, I think that for a very long time, We have lived in a world that uses the word crisis a lot, and I want to be very clear that just because somebody has thoughts of suicide does not equate to them being in crisis. That is completely okay to have thoughts of suicide, and it's honestly completely normal that we look at millennials and we look at Gen Z and... A lot of jokes are made a lot of times. They're like, oh, like, maybe I'll just go kill myself. And although they are jokes, we also have to realize that that stems from somewhere. And so just because someone is is saying that does not mean they're in crisis. That if somebody is struggling with suicidal thoughts and they do have a plan, um, then that is a little bit more more of a concern. And that would be... A crisis, but if you're just having thoughts and during your day, that's okay and that's completely
0: normal. So we're going to talk about something that I know you love to talk about. Oh, geez. And I think it's something that you have a lot of strong views about: social media (laughs) and mental health. We are watching on, you know, the national news that. Congress and members of legislative bodies and people in communities are calling out social media saying that it is causing mental health issues, Mm -hmm. saying that it's uh, exemplifying or, or I should say amplifying mental health issues. Talk a little bit more about this. As a professional, you know, what causes suicidal ideations what causes mental health what are the what really is it that is impacting people and do you feel that it is social media
1: and if it is or if it's not what is the solution or next step so suicide mental health and social media are all double-edged swords that um More specifically, that mental health and suicide are multifaceted issues, that there are not one single reason um, for any of these struggles. And if there was one single reason, we would be able to to fix that problem and we wouldn't be in the the climate that we are. Um, But when it comes to social media, I think it's really important to understand that is a double edged sword. Are there factors of social media that are harmful? Absolutely, that a lot of people I think forget and when it comes to the perception of social media that we need to remember that social media is not real, that it's very easy to look at something and have the 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 FOMO, the fear of missing out, but that is not real, that you're not seeing a ton of people post very candid things that like, oh, I just had a breakdown yesterday or I cried into my mac and cheese, like <laughs> that doesn't happen. A lot of people are only posting the things that are very exciting or happy in their lives. I can guarantee every single photo that you see of me on social media, I have whitened my teeth in every single one that it's, it's It's not real. It is true. I've watched it. (laughs) And so like, it's very important to remember that is not real. Um, But for people that saying that social media is the end-all be-all and it is the worst thing to happen, that we also have to remember that it also provides a lot of community for people that don't have a community. That I know a lot of people in my life that did not have friends growing up in school. They didn't, that they went to school and they did their schoolwork and they came home and the only friends that they ever had were the ones that they played video games with that lived on the other end of the world. And those are their closest friends. And they might not ever meet those people, but they know every single thing about that individual. And so that's why it's a double-edged sword. But when it comes to politicians and legislators pushing this so-called social media agenda and mental health, and and we need to ban it because it's causing all these mental health issues I think it's really important to also look at these legislators and look at how they voted on past legislation. That a lot of these legislators voted against funding mental health care, but they want to vote to take down social media because they're it's causing a detriment to mental health care. The truth is that if we ban all forms of social media today, it will not fix the issue because there isn't currently not enough providers to meet the current demand. And that when that's when it comes down to contacting your local representatives and talking to the people who are making these decisions and demand more for mental health and demand more for funding.
0: I love the point that you make about social media not being real because you're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. Like any breakout I have It's edited out. There's a picture of my boyfriend on social media where (laughs) he absolutely had a unibrow. But if you look at this photo, no, he didn't. You would never know. Not featured in this photo is, insert names here, unibrow. Uh, So you're exactly right. Like social media is not always real. And I think that that's something I have to praise you for, though, um, especially on your instagram no shame and brain pain you are very candid and very open um with the with what you produce about mental health about your own struggles about watching other people's struggles and so we'll get into you know where you can follow amanda grace at but i really think that you know you you make a really great resource so i want to go back to you know being a peer support specialist sure You talk often about the fact that there's not enough resources for people. What can we do to make sure that there's resources for people to get the mental health uh, care that they
1: need? Honestly, it comes down to to a lot of funding. Um, A lot of organizations are state funded. Um, I think in Pennsylvania, we are very lucky to have legislators that are really prioritizing mental health here in this state that I know Pennsylvania is one of the highest ranked states when it comes to uh, readily available mental health services, but it's still not great because there's still one in three young people in Pennsylvania that are unable to get connected to the resources that they need. And a lot of times lifelong mental illnesses that are diagnosed at, or that emerge at age 14, are not getting the proper care that they need until 11 years after that. And that's over a decade of struggling in silence. And I think that that's unacceptable. Um, I think that breaking down stigma within ourselves is a great first step. I know it's extremely hard because a lot of times stigma is programmed generationally, that it's even something that I have to think about sometimes, even though I am a mental health professional and I have my own struggles. Um, But being a peer is something that is so incredibly valuable, Um, being a empathetic, active listener for somebody and just being that person that somebody needs when their time of struggle. And I think that the biggest thing um, that you can do when trying to support your friend is actually listen. Don't sit there and try to fix their problems because most of the time that's not what they want. They don't want somebody to fix it for them. They just want to know that they're not alone.
0: So I know that you've compiled a list of some resources uh, for
1: our youth. Could you talk a little bit about that before we start to close up? Sure, I compiled a list of both warm lines and crisis lines for specifically Southeastern Pennsylvania, but there are some national lines that are thrown in there. And the difference between a crisis line and a warm line is exactly kind of what it is. A crisis line is for somebody who is in a mental health crisis. So if you or a friend um, or somebody you know is in danger, of harming themselves or somebody else, uh, please dial 988. Or you can text the crisis line, which is texting hello to 741741. If the person is in need of immediate attention, you can dial 911, but you specifically have to ask for a crisis intervention trained officer. Just because you say it is a mental health emergency does not mean that they are going to dispatch a mental health or crisis intervention trained officer. You have to specifically ask for one. Um, If it is not a crisis situation and you are just looking for emotional support, warm lines are a wonderful tool. Most lines are staffed with people that are just like me, that are certified peer support specialists, and there are even some teen lines that are staffed with teens just like you and that they are also trained to provide emotional support in times of need. That's awesome. And I think it's great that you
0: were able to, I mean, this just goes to further prove that you are a professional and, you know, you know what you're talking about, that you were able to just rattle off (laughs) really important and really crucial, um, some contacts for people. So please know that if you do need help, it is out there. Um, Do you want to take your favorite line for me?
1: Sure. Um, I want everybody to know that it is okay not to be okay, but it is not okay to stay that way. Um, that if nobody's told you yet today, you matter and you are always enough. And there is help. There is hope. And there is no shame in brain pain. Oh, I always get the warm and fuzzies (laughs) whenever you say that because
0: it's so true. So in closing, I know that you like to talk to youth and your peers and, and they're probably your most important target audience. So what is one thing that you would
1: tell a young person who wants to change the world? I would tell them something that a really good friend of mine once said, and I'm not going to get it right, but that's okay. It was along the lines of, if you think that you are too small to make an impact on the world, imagine being in a room alone with a mosquito. Shut up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That is my favorite quote in the world and I'm gonna cry at the end of this interview. But ladies and gentlemen, to our listeners at home, I wanna say a giant thank you to my best friend in the whole wide world, Amanda Grace Greer, for being on this episode today and for kicking off Mental Health Month because you are not just an advocate, but you are a professional and we need more like-minded people but more women like you in the world. So you guys can learn more about Amanda Grace's mission to create more mental health resources for our youth by following her on Instagram at no shame and brain pain. Learn more about how you can achieve the United Nations 17 Sustainable Development Goals by following us on Instagram at Sisters in Sustainability Podcast and at Sustainability Starts With You. Join the hashtag #SisPodNation today and remember that sustainability really does start with you. Thanks for listening.